0: Welcome everybody today to the Book and Life podcast with your host, Crystal Fleming. Today we are going to be talking to a sensational non-fiction writer, and she also does mysteries set in the Appalachian Mountains, just to whet your appetite. She's an incredible woman, and I can't wait to share this story with you. But first, before we get started, I need to read this quick, short time uh, advert, so here we go. The Shadow, Time Guardian Series, Book 4, by Marianne Curley. The, batter is, the battle is over, the war is won, the prophecy complete, but life can't just pick up where it left off for Ethan. Struggling to cope with tragic loss at odds with friends and the guard, he finds himself adrift, jumping at shadows and sensing someone who can't possibly be there. Blaming herself for the goddess Latina's death, Giselle swears revenge and fulfill the immortal's plan for world domination. But Giselle hadn't planned on love. And that leaves her with an unbearable choice: should she follow her heart, or the strings of a goddess short on praise but high on expectation, who continues to pull her from the grave? As the guard and the order battle through the past and into a possible future, darkness lurks around every corner. The fight for the world's survival rests with just one. Is it friend or foe who stands in the shadow? One of her favorite, one of the um, books, is up right now for. Um, the Ukraine crisis is called The Price of Freedom by Rosemary Rowan and it's her Roman-British series and again the title is The Price of Freedom and her agent has sent her commission um, for the fund as well so if you've got a spare pound or two make sure you pick up the book just to support the Ukraine crisis and uh, yeah now let's welcome a very special guest to the show And let's welcome Linda McDaniel. So it is lovely to have you on. I am hoping I said your name right. Uh, (laughs) I'm terrible with pronunciation of names, so I apologize now. But it is great to have you on. And I was excited about having you on because, funnily enough, when I was looking you up, I loved the fact that you've written articles for such a, a wide range of different things from Southern Living country living you go all the way through to you know restaurants and you need big newspapers and stuff like that so I thought that you were a very interesting writer I love the, the series that you you're doing um it just came across as a really awesome series and very interesting and uh, yeah so I, I I was very much looking forward to sitting down and talking to you today and also you live in, in uh, North Carolina which is one of my favorite states because I have a few friends that live in that area, um, a few wrestling friends that live in that area so yeah I, I it just made me more excited about, about sitting down and talking with you today. So first of all could you tell everybody a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your series?
1: and I've been writing forever. Um, as you mentioned, I I wrote um, a lot of magazine articles about, I quit counting after 1200. This was back in the day when, um, you know, magazines were different from today, at least in the States, we, uh, magazines are harder and harder to write for now. And so I, I feel very lucky that I got to do that. And I did, I wrote about, nature to art. I wrote a lot about art. But I'll tell you, always in the back of my mind, it's hard writing for editors. Uh, By the very nature of their job, they're supposed to find fault with what you wrote. And it gets old, you know? It's like, well, this was my approach. If you had wanted me to write your approach, you should have told me what that was. So it wasn't always uh, comfortable or you put your heart and soul into an article, and then the editor, she should have said, I wanted you to take this angle, and I would have done that, but she leaves it to you. So there's a saying amongst us writers that um, you don't know what an editor wants until you find out what she doesn't want. And so it was, um, it, it was a good time in my life, but when I decided to just take a leap and write fiction, I can't tell you how thrilling that was to write exactly what I wanted to write. Nobody was editing it. And and I did some nonfiction, too. Some nonfiction books about writing and about nature. That, um, you know, I could just do what I wanted to do. And that's been the It does uh, cover years, so to speak. I mean, it's inspired by the years I spent in North Carolina in Appalachia. And yeah. uh, it was eye-opening, life-changing, uh, sometimes so hard it made me cry, but I look back on that and it was just like birthing tears or whatever. I, I, I just learned so much. And I became who I really am, instead of what my parents thought I should be. So, um, so this series is now. I'm, I'm working on the eighth book. If, wow! Yeah, wait. Uh, yeah, if you count the prequel, which is a pretty short little novella, but uh, if you count the prequel, I'm currently working on the eighth book in the series, and uh, also simultaneously, I've never done this before ninth book as well. And wow. so uh, I'll tell you about those later. But that that's what the the stories were inspired by the mountain people that I met. And I don't know if you, you know about that list, but in America, Appalachia has always had um, a stigma to it. Uh, people look down on some of the mountain people. Well, my experience was just the opposite. It was, oh, sure, I met jerks there, just like I meet jerks anywhere, you know. So it's not like they're perfect, but a lot of the people are lovely, lovely people, and they taught me so much about generosity and honesty and art and craft, it's a, a region rich in that, and music. So... It was an uplifting time for me, and I put that into mysteries. These are all mysteries, because I'm just addicted to, to mysteries and uh, love them. And so it's a, it's a real pleasure to write and um, spend time with my imaginary friends. They were a godsend during the lockdown, and um, so it, it's uh, I'm very happy
0: time i spend writing i love that you said that they were you know it was great for during lockdown i had two lockdowns so i know i know the pressures of that um and it it is hard did you find that lockdown sort of had an impact on your writing an impact on what you did or not so much you know not so much i i i'm
1: relatively introverted anyway and so I, um, just kept doing what I always do now. I mean, I miss, the, the, just getting out and going to a coffee shop. I miss, uh, you know, seeing people or going to uh, things, even, you know, social things that are like where there's too many people. And so they couldn't meet and that kind of thing. But as
0: far as my day-to-day life, it didn't feel all that different. Yeah. For me, it was just uh, getting used to being at home with my mom (laughs) and learning how to write around her and her crazy schedule and people coming and going and not understanding that if a writer's got her headphones on and her fingers are going like mad, don't interrupt it. Just leave her alone. You know, she needs to write. Um so those were my big struggles and and it's so funny you say that because sometimes we need those imaginary friends more than people would ever realize because times has really been hard for everybody these last 2 years so it's nice to hear that there's other somebody else who's had you know an imaginary friend that's gotten them through it and um you know and I think we're realizing as a society how important our homes are because here we are spent two years pretty much stuck in our homes so you know i think we're all kind of appreciating the extra space and the extra bit of you know movability and and that maybe some some people are realizing flats aren't for them or realizing that maybe their house is a bit too big for them and you know they need to get somewhere smaller so i think it's i think it's been very beneficial as well as being a very interesting experience um that's for Sarah. So you were talking about being up there and meeting the people and being able to write it as a mystery. Did you think about writing any other like these stories in any other genre or was it just an instant it has to be a mystery I can't put it in any other genre? Yeah the
1: latter. I I, I just like mysteries. I uh... I feel like a bit of a Philistine saying this, but I'm not that keen on literary writing because I miss the who done it. You know, I miss that yeah. something happening that's drawing me into each page. Whereas when it's uh, more literary, I, I mean, if it's beautiful writing, that's one thing, but uh, it doesn't have that pull me into it factor. So I never even considered anything else. In fact, I was thinking, well, gosh, do, do I always want to write mysteries? And it's, it's not that I wouldn't want to write something else, but I just, I just don't think I would find that suspense and that draw that I get from mysteries.
0: Very true. I could see you doing a thriller, though. Something tells me you could do a really good thriller.
1: Well, I consider—I mean, even though it's a different genre, but I consider it similar in in that vein of like, "Oh, what's going to happen next?" You know. So yeah, I yeah. guess I could do that.
0: <laughs> I—I just—I always—I always pictured you writing this really good thriller, and all of us sitting around the sort of campfire as you read the first chapter to us all, and we're, we're all just—we're there the next morning. You come out, we're all still reading. You know, under the stars with all the little torches and stuff. So, yeah, I, I don't know why, but when I started reading about you, that was the instant uh, little picture I had in my head. So, yeah, that that's a good idea for uh, a nice little book launch. You know, hire somewhere <laughs> nice and just invite people up. They just rent a room, and you know they can get the book before anybody else. I think that's that's a lovely know, idea. Think, uh, so. You're on the sixth book. Now, most people will be saying, wow, that's something to take on. Was six books planned, or was it just a case of you read the first one, and then it kind of snowballed?
1: Again, the latter. I really didn't think anybody would would read my first book. It was in the process uh, for 15 years because of, I guess, lack of self-confidence. So to all those writers out there who are maybe struggling in the same way, just don't listen to that stuff, you know? Uh, Just do it. And I did it, and I put it out there. And Now, there was a a twist to it. Um, Della, there's two characters. Della is someone sort of like me. She's a former journalist, and she now owns a country store, and uh, she moved native. And then Abbott Bradshaw is um, a young man in the first book who's struggling to find who he is. He's he's got some learning disabilities, they think. Um, So um, uh, anyway, uh, I didn't know if anybody would, would enjoy this, but what I found out is they absolutely loved Abbott. So I just lower Della, who was me, I swallowed my ego and let her play a lesser role. And Abbott is now the star of every book that follows. And I I see reviews on Amazon that say, you know, I could read anything that Abbott's in because people just... And I don't know, he just showed up one day and I don't know where he came from. He's obviously a composite of me. Uh, I am in there as far as, um, he has a a real, uh, you know, he's trying to find his place in the world and what's okay to do and what's not okay to do and all that, but he's also just a new friend. I I don't know where he came from, but he certainly has captured the hearts of some readers. And so now, uh, to, to get back to your original question, I thought that first book was gonna be in, And then, like I said, I like playing with my imaginary friends. And gee whiz, they like to have it. So he stars in the next book Dick was in it. But it's only his voice. They share voices in all the other books. But um, he's the only voice and point of view in the second book. And um, so it just evolved from there.
0: I like that. I do. I like that. So how did you find right to sort of the, I always say the str- the hard bits, like the policing and the procedural parts? Did you, did that come easy to you or, you know, was that a bit more of a struggle? Well, I cheated
1: because I it would have been
0: very hard
1: to me. And I'm not the that... I love type that. that you t- cheated. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm... I'm not the type to call up the local police department and say, Hey, can you help me out here? So I just made sure that everything was as deep as I could go without major research, but it's, it's in no way a procedural. Um, So there's um, good cops, bad cops. And, um, but there it's all, that part's pretty um, unimportant. well, I wouldn't say unimportant, but it's. It, those characters
0: don't have starring roles. No, they're minimum, is what you're saying. They're minimum mm-hmm. starring. Yeah. No, oh, that that makes sense. I actually, for mine, went and got a retired detective. Good for you. And harassed him periodically. And I went. uh started off with, can I donate the book to you? And then it was like, can I ask you this? Could you read this? Could you th- let me know what you think of that? So, yeah, bless him, he's, uh, I think he's tired of hearing from me, so. well, But it was good, it was good, because I, I wanted to people, make sure so. it was exactly how he would handle the investigation, so. It's, it's, I, I feel it's important, I, or at least I thought it was important, so yeah. Sure. Uh, so, so, could you tell us a little bit about your current release, and, uh, what do you find the most exciting about Deep in the Forest? No, sorry, Up the Creek. I'll get it up right Up the eventually.
1: Creek, yeah. It just came out June 9th, so, or June 7th. So you, you can be excused. It's, it's a brand new one. So, um, well, let's see. Um, it just as an aside, uh, you mentioned Deep in the Forest, and, and that one's actually set in England. And and a a wee bit in Ireland but uh, that was a a divergence for me but uh, anyway uh, up the creek is back in Appalachia and um, Abbott finds uh, a man uh, almost near death in the creek that runs along his property line and uh, the thing I really enjoyed developing was taking his He's an innately kind person, but of course, he struggles with when's it good to be kind and when do you have to be a little tougher, and so he struggles with that, but throughout the book, uh, the man has amnesia, which is just a great tool. I loved it. I just loved using that. You know, it's an old uh, uh, tool for writers and screenwriters and everything, and I can see why, because it's just delicious. You, You can you can have anything happen because this guy doesn't remember who he is. And so gradually he does and Abbott's uh, suspicions and concerns are assuaged. And um, I don't want to say too much, but um, they come to understand one another. And that's really the mystery. I mean, there is some mystery about how did he get in such bad shape, but the overriding mystery is, who is this guy? Is he good? Is he bad? And what will he mean to Abbott's life? And um, I enjoyed that immensely. And
0: and could you tell us a little bit about your upcoming release? Because you've got one, as you said, you're working on the uh, seventh, it'll be the seventh book release. Yeah. Oh, oh, I've lost. I think it's, counting
1: the prequel, it's the eighth and ninth. And um, the eighth book is going to be a, a Christmas novella. And um, that's it, cool. yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's going to be maybe, it, it's got a mystery. Um, Abbott is a woodworker, and his son, who's by now, um, all the books have aged, you know, each person, I mean, they've, they've yeah. chronologically aged. So Abbott is now 40 instead of 15 when we first met him. And he has his own family, two boys, and his oldest older boy has um, asked for him to make him a dresser. And Abbott, you know, he has to pay the bills and he's making all these woodworking things for clients and he keeps putting his son off and he feels bad about it. So he buys a secondhand one and refinishes it. And when he's working on it, he finds that one of the drawers in the dresser has a false bottom, and a diary falls out. And it's a very old diary. Uh, I, I I think it's like 50 years old. I'm not sure yeah, I'm not. I'm, it could be uh, uh, more like 30 years old. But it's got some revelations in it that have like the world didn't know uh, about somebody's father. And so Abbott and Della go snooping to find out, you know, what happened? What's the story behind all this? And there's no murder, there's no big crime, but um, there is a mystery. And um, and then there's some other things, some character development that happened where some loose ends are tied up and some nice things happen. You know, it's Christmas after all. And yeah, so, of course. And uh, so I'm going to enjoy working on that and then the next book which will come out not simultaneously but very close which is unusual i don't usually do that but I've, one of my readers mentioned um that i should write a cookbook based on the food that's in the uh, series and i had not realized how much i wrote about food but uh, as I've, had, I've had a lot of readers say boy you really must like food because it's always in your books and and I thought, well, who doesn't like food? And yeah, I do. And so I do that uh, myself.
0: So yeah. But that yeah. that's that's my cheat. That's my cheat to remind me to eat. It's not that I love food. It's like, right, okay, if I write a meal here, I can take a break and go and actually eat something. So it's more of a reminder <laughs> for me. And I have to keep reminding the readers that us as writers, we have to almost sit down and put in meals, bed, so that we remember to go do these things ourselves oh that's cute
1: yeah i i don't have that problem i've never missed a meal and um nothing i I do that if i'm really
0: into a book if i'm really into writing it everything goes out the window i'll forget to feed the cats i'll forget to go to bed i will literally get dragged through by my husband kicking and screaming uh, I'm awful. I'm awful when I'm really in a book, and uh, yeah, so that's that's why I do it. But I do know f- quite a few authors that do it. Ones that really disappear into the writing will actually write a schedule into their books just so that it reminds them to do these things. Oh, that's fascinating. Um, and I'm grateful that I do it now because it it does help. It does help to remind myself to eat, sleep, wash. <laughs> repeat well, kind of thing. So, yeah. It's a nice thing to include in
1: a book, too, you know, details that the readers can relate to. And um, I, uh, when this, so this uh, reader said, you should write a cookbook. And I I started exploring and researching what, what other authors have done with cookbooks. And so I've come up with this composite of recipes from each book. There'll probably be two or three recipes from each book and um, some essays Mm -hmm. as well as um, the excerpt from that book where the food is mentioned. And then I'm going to write two or three original short stories that are interspersed. So... It's a cookbook of sorts. It's a short story book of of sorts. And I think it's going to be very uh, interesting. And uh, so I certainly enjoy uh, making it and and researching it, getting my recipes down right, practicing. So uh, that's both of the two I'm I'm currently working on. And uh, I'm also making an audio book of the first book.
0: Uh, the, uh, How are you finding that? Oh, it's, it's a lot of work and a
1: fair amount of money. I was fortunate. I have my, I have an, uh, two neighbors who are uh, man and wife, and, and they uh, are professional actors. And oh, okay. boy, have they brought the book to life. So I hired them to read the, the book. And they have really, really brought it to life. But the only problem is like, I had to learn how to do all the editing on Audacity. And I did a pretty good job the first time through, but as you can imagine, by the time you get through 68 chapters, you've learned a lot. So now I'm in the process of going back through and making it even better. And so it's pretty laborious. But I it am oh gosh! It's, yeah. to hear my words spoken alive it's thrilling, and it is. so yeah, it is. Uh, that's really kept me busy this spring.
0: It's beautiful, yeah. I, lo- I, t- I love to hear when people are putting that effort in, and are learning, because authors, we actually learn all the time, because we have to learn about how to read the markets, and we have to learn about grammar, we have to learn about how you put together the story, and the character development process, we're constantly we're constant students because we're constantly learning about the industry we love and that we like adding to and we like supporting so I think it's great and I like to share that with the listeners saying hey you know this is somebody else who's learning new skills that are going to help you as a reader have a better enjoyment of her work so uh, I take my hat off to you and I'm glad to hear hear about this journey that you're taking i think it's incredible
1: well and then we have to learn all about marketing that was a big surprise to yeah. to realize how much we have to to be clever and um up to date and know the trends and um it's my least favorite part i mean that's pretty common every i don't know anybody who loves it but um but we do it don't we
0: yeah we have to it's it's uh it's what's expected I think more than anything else so you know so so moving on into uh the book portion of the the podcast and really looking at us as readers because every author we do read a lot we read each other's material we are a very uplifting community so what book have you read recently that you would say has stuck with you the most the one that that you've read that's just imprinted itself on you?
1: Well, this book um, I had to look it up because if I read it just, I, I read it recently um, it's called Rubbernecker by Belinda Bauer B-A-U-E-R okay. and oh my gosh, it is so creatively set up. I, I've read so many mysteries where then the police come in and then they have trouble at home. Their their husband thinks they're never home enough. And then they they encounter some complications, but lo and behold, they solve it. You know? Well, I've read so many of them that not too many hold my interest anymore. I need more character development. I need to know about that police person instead of just uh, his or her role as a, a police officer. Well, this book is just amazing. Um, it's it's about a, a, a student with uh, Asperger's. And so that right there, I mean, I, I, I would imagine you have to have some personal experience with that in order yeah. to understand how to write about it, because it's so mystifying and unusual uh, to at least to me and um he is very meticulous and so he is very good at um, things like technical things and things that uh, require that side of his brain and so he goes to school to become an autopsy person and He doesn't want to be a doctor, so he would be more like a technician, I suppose, or a a lab assistant or that kind of thing. And while he's uh, doing all this, and, of course, there's all this character development of how differently he sees the world. It's beautifully written, too. I mean, her words are just wonderful. And he, uh, he discovers that in an autopsy, People missed something. The the lead uh, medical examiner and the people in the classroom that lead the classes missed something. But they won't believe him because they just think he's a weirdo. And yeah. uh, lo and behold, well, I don't want to give too much away, but he prevails. And yeah. I just thought, what a fabulous premise for a book instead of is. just crime, complications, solved. You know, and um, it's beautifully written. It has like many uplifting parts, but also some very sad parts. Um, his uh, mother, as you can imagine, has a great deal of difficulty dealing with this difficult child, and then a, a teenager and young adult as he ages. So there's a whole lot going on in this book, and. I discovered it. I, I don't know if you do this or not, but I I, I join these promotional sites that um, give away books free or 99 cents um, yeah. or whatever. And I have to admit, most of them seem like that they're not very good. And but I always, you know, Hope Springs Eternal. And oh, my gosh, was I rewarded with this one. And I, li- I read about her. She's a screenwriter. I often like books by screen screenwriters because they really know how to tell a visual story. And yep. uh, this was visual and fun and sad and poignant and, um, in the end, very uplifting. In fact, the ending is, I won't give it away, but it is just so... Um, well, if I can say it, it's real kick-ass. I mean, it is
0: just <laughs> one of those endings where you just go, "Woo-hoo! Oh, that was that was really good." That, that's what yeah. you want to hear about books. You want to hear that excitement and love for them. And, and you know, I'm on a lot of arcs uh, lists, so I get a lot of books before they're released. And sometimes I will have to muddle through some, and then other ones I'm like, "Oh." Thank goodness, this is amazing. I, you know, this is exactly what I want to read. So yeah, I understand that um, desire to find the right one and to tap into it. So if you had endless amount of time and, you know, this is your free time and you wish, you know, you could just sit and you can read, you get to pick one author and one series that you can read from start to finish, everything they've written. Who would the author be, and which series would you pick?
1: Well, I'm just an unabashed fan of Michael Connelly. He's an American journalist. He was a crime journalist who became a fabulous novelist. And I have read some of those books three times. Like, when I go through a period of not being able to find a good book that I can really sink my teeth in. I just go back and, like, he's written, like, probably a hundred novels. So I just go yeah. back to an early one that my poor old brain has forgotten most of the story. And um, I just enjoy it all over again. And I just can't wait for his new releases. Now, the one that I really enjoy the, is the Bosch series. That's the... Um, yeah. Guy's last name, and um, but I like the Lincoln Lawyer series, the Mickey Haller series. I, I'm not as big a fan of the one. Um, oh, he, I can't even remember the Jack. Um, oh, he's a he's a journalist, and I usually love books about jour- like where the protagonist is a journalist. Right. But those are okay. I like them. I I read them again, but much as those first two and my the number one would be bosh and and then mickey Howard, yeah so um uh, so that that's that's what i would do if i were had miraculously
0: had tons of free time. i know i know the feeling when you say that is there an author, past and present, who's influenced and inspired you to be excited about A, writing, and B, books? Yes, I,
1: I have to say, uh, P.D. James is uh, my mentor. Uh, yeah. Oh, my God. Those books, especially when she wrote them, they to me, they were literary. They were so beautifully written, and they just had intricate thoughts I love Malcolm dog um, just oh no Adam I'm sorry Adam uh, Malcolm is a musician um, Adam dogleyach I, I just thought and I, I read I wrote I read those decades before I got up the nerve to write my own and right. she it was always in the back of my mind. If I could write like P. D. James, now I don't write like P. D. James. I think she's a much better writer than I am. But she, she really, really inspired me, and I've read—I guess just about everything. Uh, I wasn't as crazy about the Jane Austen um, spin-offs that she did, but uh, I still—I
0: just loved everything that she wrote, and uh, I miss her. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, I have have an author like that myself, uh, Rachel Kane. She passed away a couple of years ago. And uh, same thing, I could not love her stuff more than I did. It was just like coming home and putting on your favorite pair of slippers. She just, you just sank easily into her worlds and into her storylines. And her worlds just sort of, you know, it was like walking in through a bubble. The next thing you know, you were just swept away inside of it so um, yeah I, I understand uh i understand what you mean when you say that so yeah Um. <clears throat> so when you go to a bookstore or if you're looking at a bookstore online what genre do you feel drawn to the most well
1: obviously mysteries i they just hold my interest but i also there's some nonfiction books i'm um uh home and garden type things I'm I'm quite the homebody quite the um amateur Martha Stewart or or as I read in a book um the, it, it somebody wrote the room looked like it was decorated by Martha Stewart's less talented sister <laughs> that's me I like you that know, I, like those, I like those nice things I don't have her panache for all those things but I love. Like yeah. You know, a home to feel nice and, um, I like to cook. And, and so I look at cookbooks. I may, I have so many and, and frankly, I, it's so easy to find recipes online, much easier yeah, than is. looking in indices to try to find that recipe you, you love. Um, so, um, but I, I look at cookbooks and, and craft books and, uh, decorating books and gar- oh, gardening. I I
0: just have a small garden,
1: but uh, I like to get ideas for it. So, there, was, yeah, you that feel that
0: like to putter about in it, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I get that. I'm, I'm. you know, my mother and my mother in law the same. They have gardens that they putter around in, and they, you know, they, they spend a lot of time in there. And, and I just sometimes say to myself, oh, I wish I could do that, but I just don't have the, uh, the energy to do it, and I don't know where they get all the energy to to do all that uh, on top of everything else. So, yeah, I think it's a a good testament to uh, the wanderers that they, you know, that they can achieve. Has there ever been a book that you've picked up and you just wished that you'd never started it or you'd never tried it? Oh gosh.
1: You no, know, one doesn't come to mind, but I, I do recall an experience where I I read a book and I, I don't even recall who it was by, but I was so appalled by it that it was so dark and so gruesome. And, and, and you know, there's a place for that. There's people who enjoy that. I, I don't fault that, but I do fault an author who, Kind of lets it sneak up on you. It's not like you know yeah. you're gonna you're reading that kind of book, and all of yeah. a sudden you're into the story. So you kind of want to find out what happens, but it's so violent and so uh, mean spirited. Uh, I remember once I don't read I don't leave bad reviews anymore. I guess because I hate getting them, but yeah, um, of <laughs> But it's also um, unless it's something. That really does seem wrong with the book. I wouldn't do that because there's so many different tastes, and who am I to say it's a bad book because of that? But I do remember I dashed off a, just a grief-stricken review because I felt that this book was was wrong. You know, it should have alerted me to that it was this kind of book or something like that. But that was ages ago, and now I would just toss it aside or or click. And delete it from my library um, yeah I, I so think Mo, it's... I, don't, I don't remember a book other than like that experience
0: yeah I think I think we all have that whereas I have a tendency not to read blurb so sometimes it's my own fault because I should have read the blurb and I didn't and I'm like Ur, okay I should have looked before I started reading this one obviously um, but sometimes not reading the blurb actually kind of gives you a nice little, uh, a little experience because you, you're almost totally blind to what you're reading and it, it allows you to just sort of enjoy finding out what's happened as you go along. And yeah, I really, I liked that. I really did. And I thought that was a lot of, a lot of fun. And, uh, so I, I, I know what it's like to get caught in what you think. Ugh, how silly was I not reading that But yeah So moving on into your Into the writing portion of the co- podcast We're going to kind of Dig into you know What writing you used for your series What writing You know the, these are the, the conversations And the topics that really help a lot of Writers out there who are Essentially trying to find their Confidence they're trying to find themselves And they're trying to Work out you know um, how this is going to go. So, uh, let's get into it. How did you go about creating the obstacles that you did for your book? What? How was the journey for you? Like, how did you set up that atmosphere so you could write it? You know, I,
1: I came to writing fiction very late in my career, and so I had already learned the basic skills of storytelling, um, I think the best place to go is to understand the structure of storytelling. And that's your, you've got to hook your readers, and then you've got to develop characters, and along the way you interject complications that put them to the test. And then you have some resolution. You can have resolution midway of a few things, but then the main problem still continues. I find that very satisfying to read and write where there's some resolution midway so that readers kind of go, oh, that's nice. Yeah, but what about such and such? And so then the story continues. And then, of course, you have your denouement and your ending. And the storytelling structure will, will guide you and, and if you just look at that basic outline of what I just said then you'll know, oh you know I didn't really hook my readers or gosh I haven't told them enough about my characters and then of course the all important complications and conflict uh, they just have to be, the story has to be peppered with those uh, yeah. one big one some smaller ones and so I think that's simply things. You you're not starting from scratch. You're not like, oh my gosh, I could write anything in the whole universe. You've got your your story outline. I mean um, well I guess it's an outline of sorts, but your your story steps. You've got your
0: peaks and your your dents, yeah. Yeah. And and then
1: then then you have something that you can that's doable instead of like, Oh my gosh, I could write about anything. And, and then you just let, I'm a big believer in the muse. And I don't think that she is just something that shows up to talented writers. The muse is there if we listen and allow. So I believe in writing really bad first drafts because that's what everybody writes anyway. And I, I, I learned to honor that because getting that first draft down is um, it is not a creative process. It is more of a left process that you're you're dumping this information and don't expect it to be good. It's like if you were a painter and and, and you know They don't paint this way, but let's just say you're a finger painter. So you get a whole lot of paint in different colors down on the canvas. And then the creative starts where you're moving your fingers around and making this more red and that more blue. But, but when you first start writing, you're really just dumping onto the canvas. And so allow yourself to be bad. I have a saying, when I used to teach writing, I coach book writing now, but I don't teach it like in, in classes. And But when I did, I had an expression that people really liked, and that is, good writing is really good editing. Bad writers just stop too soon. So <laughs> you, you get those words down, and then you edit, 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 edit. But how lovely, because you have your palette there, you have everything there. I mean, virtually everything, you can add to it, but you have it there, the heat's off, you've got it. But then you make it better and better and better with editing. And if you stop too soon, it's not so good. But if you keep editing, and my key on when I'm through editing is when I start making things go back to previous iteration, then I know I'm just messing with it now. So you'll 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 come to trust the muse and the editing and then you let it rest and you go away and you walk in nature, you walk your dog, you you do you sleep, you you do other things, and I guarantee you the muse will come back and say, you know, chapter four really needs some work. And so then I go back and so that's my process. It's just dump, edit,
0: rest, listen, repeat. Except I like that. It sounds like a, a great plan. Yeah, it works.
1: It's it's just, and you know what works about it is the pressure is off. You, you don't need to berate yourself. You're not a bad writer. Not you. I mean, I'm speaking to the general population here. Um, of course, yeah. You you um, you you just do this. It's it's like it's just the process and it's very open to creativity and it welcomes new ideas. So it's not a rigid outline or anything, unless that works for you. It didn't ever work for me, but if, if you if you like an outline that's fine too. But yeah. um you just Just let it evolve and give it the time it needs to evolve. I I get so upset with these things online about write a book in a month. Okay, well, dump in a month. I get that. But the implication is that you would have a finished product after a month. No. Spend the month dumping and then edit, 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 edit.
0: I think, I think a lot of those um, things that you're talking about really is about just getting words on the page. It's not about having a fully, you know, a full print, you know, print book, uh, you know, publishing ready book. It's, um, it's about getting the words down. It's about, you know, constructing your day so that you, you're more disciplined, so that you're constantly got a target to reach for every day so that you're not waffling I suppose is, is the better way of putting it um and I I can understand that I can understand why why a lot of people would find that helpful I also think it's it's kind of bad for some people because it, it really acts like a, a you know as a sort of albatross around their necks because they're like oh well yeah I really need to really need to go on and do 2,000 words today or I need to do 15,000 words today I I can understand why people would struggle with it. Um so I agree with you in that regard but I I do know that 90% of it is just because they're hoping to kind of teach people to get themselves in a very strict um regiment and you know make the make them have a regiment that allows them to get 50,000 uh words down in a month. Um you know, so I get it. I do. I get it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, whatever works
0: for you. I mean, I, I I do know that that is what what nano is for, and, and what what a lot of these sites are for. Um, it is just a case of trying to encourage the writer to keep going, and to keep doing what they're doing. Um, but no, I I I like how what you're saying though, and I like. The idea that, you know, the way that you've put it together, I think that's, it's lovely to hear that, and it's lovely to hear um, somebody else's view and opinion. What inspired you to enter the different genres with your own writing voice that you did? Was there anything that particularly drew you to those areas?
1: I'm not sure I understand that question. Um, you know, I'm, I'm strictly in mystery, um, well, I and... I was
0: meaning because you, you spent some time writing non-fiction. Oh, yeah. And you spent time writing articles. Was there any reason that, you know, you chose to write them? Was there like a, a draw towards it? A, a ha moment? Oh, and... Or what yeah, was I the attraction is maybe the better way of putting it. What was the attraction to doing those genres, like the writing articles and the non nonfiction.
1: Well, I knew I wanted to have a writing career. And right. frankly, uh, it was the only way I could imagine earning a living from writing. Um, oh, okay. I wasn't clever enough to be like an um, uh, ad writer kind of person but I felt like I could bring creativity to my nonfiction articles. I also felt like I could uh, reach the readers by telling them more about this person rather than just what this person does, kind of get inside their head a little bit, I guess. And that really was great prep work for writing character development in novels. So I'm, you know, just prosaically, it was to earn a living, and that was the only way I could see articles and nonfiction books uh, could could do, you know, is to contribute to my income. And then, uh, as I mentioned, um, you know, I just grew weary of writing for other people, and uh, I went out on a limb. And the coaching also augments my income. And so between yeah. all that, I'm able to, to pull together uh, a livelihood. It's you know I don't know too many average right you know everyday writers who are getting rich, but it, it's a it's a good life. And it I, is a good life, yeah. It. Yeah.
0: When you're when you're writing, you're your mysteries, is it like a jigsaw puzzle that you're having to put together, or is it like a movie for you? I'd say it's more like
1: a movie because I see these things vividly. And, and the books are all set in a familiar-to-me setting. Uh, I owned a farm many, many years ago in Appalachia, a small farm, and so Abbott lives on the farm, and his workshop is in my old barn, and that he's redone. And, you know, all those things are very familiar to me. And the town is, uh, in fact, the, the general store that Della owns, I lived next door to. So they're so visual to me that it is like a movie. And I'll just, if I'm having trouble, I'll just close my eyes and and see what I think they'll do next. and um, uh, So, yeah, more like
0: a movie. I, I like that because, you know, a lot of genres, it it's very different writing styles. It's very... Um, they have very sort of select styles that they use to put together their pieces. So it's, it's lovely to hear that for you it, it's a movie and uh, it's sort of easily... Easily put together in your mind. Um, you know, it, it's not too much of bits and pieces. It's a smooth movie experience that allows you to, yeah, to to understand and to, you know, allow yourself to become immersed in.
1: Yeah, and you know, just I'd like to add another tip for your listeners, and and that is that um, there's some. You, you just Google it. it it's, there's some wonderful tips from screenwriters on yep. how to write novels. And I get most of my inspiration from screenwriters. I used to go to the movies all the time. And then the lockdown and all of that changed it. And I I, I, I have to admit, I don't think they're making very, very many movies for my uh, age bracket, I guess you'd say, or my Sensibilities, But uh, I learned a lot by osmosis from watching really good television series, watching movies, studying what screenwriters do to draw the audience in. I, I can't think of a better inspiration. If you're ever stuck, just go rewatch your favorite movie and study it. How did they draw me in? How did they develop characters? How did they develop suspense? Um, great I, I know that so.
0: well yeah, yeah. i uh, I'm a screenwriter, so i I know the understanding of of breaking it down and making sure that you're creating something that both you can visualize and a director can visualize and because you're not really writing uh, that scene for yourself you're you're very much writing it for for a lot of um, people you know, you're writing it to give an experience, um, so, you know, because you've got to, improve, you've got to get the producers to like it, and the you've got to make sure the directors like it, and the network, you know, the network executives need to like it as well, and, and yeah, so, uh, I get it, I, I understand it, it's, it's not easy to do, so, yeah, screenwriters, you know, we, they're about ticking boxes, and, uh, And I think that really translates into novel writing as well. So is there a character that you've written that you would say has stuck with you the longest?
1: Well, obviously, Abbott. He he seems like my son, you know, um, that I never had. So um, he's... uh, I, I probably mention him at least three or four times a week in conversation I mean he's just very much a, a part of my life but um I think I think if I were to pick a favorite character that I do think of uh, often it's um Wallace Harding was in the the uh, fourth book the murder ballad blues and he is a real character I mean really a Funny, unusual guy, and I don't know if you've ever watched Time Team. Do, do you know that
0: television Yeah, series? I do. Yeah.
1: Well, he's he's named after Phil Harding, who's one of the archaeologists, and um, I just I, and he looked when I described him, he looks like Mick Aston, who's one of the archaeologists. I'm a big fan of Time Team, and so that was my little tribute to. To those two characters that I think are just marvelous characters in real life, so I think about Wallace Harding from, from you know more often than the other characters I've created.
0: that, that is actually really nice to know because um, my mother was also a big fan of, of Time Team, so um, I had to watch it every Sunday whether Sunday or late Sunday, you know, just before all the soap operas would begin. She would have the uh, good old time team on. She'd be drawn into the uh, archaeology and, and be excited about that. And then, yep, lo and behold, you know, it'd be tough to have a really long spell of watching the show. And then uh, we would end up watching the soap operas and, and closing out the night uh, that way. So it's it's nice to actually hear that because I don't hear a lot of people talking about time team and and that kind of thing. So it. I think it's rare, and it's nice to hear that. It really is. It's great is there a cartoon so. that you wish you could write more about?
1: Well, I guess I have been trying to figure out how to get Wallace Harding into this uh, Christmas novella, but I'm not sure I can. He's a very uh, specific character, and I don't... But I am trying to get him in there. Um, He's yeah. also... A little boy that I wrote about in the deep in the forest, who was is in the the, um, uh, the New Forest. That's where that takes place. is in Hampshire in England. Yep. And his nickname is Baldy. His parents named him Archibald, and and that just wasn't a name a kid wanted to go by. And Baldy was better than Archibald. And he has an incredible arc in the book. As does Abbott. And um, I was thinking I'd like to have him come over, but the odds that this kid would get to make it to America is pretty slim. So so I'm struggling with, like, how to have a legitimate uh, reprise of these characters. And so maybe maybe they'll show up. I, I would like to see – I'd like to work with them again. Yeah, like the director for- says – I'd like to work with that actor again, you know. Well, I'd like to work with these characters again.
0: Yeah, I know, I get that. I, I've seen that kind of strange transformation as well. So um, you never know. Like, sometimes it just takes a spark, and in, in that character's with you. Or you might even find a new one. Uh, that you never thought about exploring. Because I know for me, there's always characters people say, oh, well, could you write more about this person? And I'm like, yeah, if it ever comes to me. <laughs> so what <laughs> techniques have you found the most helpful? Was there ones and also was there ones that you wish you hadn't attempted using?
1: You mean writing
0: techniques? Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, well, Back in the day, when I still listened to what other people said you must do, um, I did try to write with an outline, and that didn't work for me. But, like I said, I know it works for some folks. Um, I, I don't have the technique. I, the only thing. a free resource. Um, I wrote a memoir about here called Words and Words, and it's free. It's on Amazon free. And, and I, I just would love for people to get that because I put all of this down in in writing in stories, as well as some instruction. It
0: yeah. was
1: written for a business writing. About the same. And I would love for people to know that they don't have to worry that they're not good a or that let a boss tell them that you can't do something or whatever. Um, we've all had it happen to us, and, and this memoir of uh, might inspire them to know, you know, dog women I can do it too. So I just mentioned it before.
0: Just, it's free. Feel free because, I mean, as I said, this is all about you and getting to know you and about your work. So I always say if you, you feel like one of your books might give them inspiration or help them on their journey, then always, always mention it because you never know what might help someone. So moving into your life, now this is the part that everyone gets excited about because it's almost like they're getting to know the secrets behind the curtain. What is the first thing that you do when you want to de-stress from editing and writing, when you want to just close the door on it for the day and find a way to relax?
1: Well, I love walking in nature, and I'm lucky to live in California now where, oh, there's just beautiful parks. I live uh, very near the ocean, the Pacific Ocean, and I... I just go out and walk along we have a beautiful waterfront here that's along a bay and there's all these marinas and and some it's not always sunny here it's uh, we get a good good amount of clouds but when it's sunny and the water's sparkling and then we have huge redwood trees here that are you know 900 years old and huge I just can't, I mean, everything just sort of fades away because of the magnitude of that ocean and those big trees. I have a little dog. I'm a real dog fanatic. There's lots of dogs in my book. And I take her out.
0: hobbies um do you enjoy and is there any that you wish you could explore more well i mentioned gardening and cooking and
1: so uh and i love to make things with my hands i used to when i lived in the mountains i was a professional weaver and i earned my living as a weaver and i I, i did enjoy that but it was boy is that a hard way of life
0: and, it is. It is um, very hard, yeah.
1: Yeah, you have to go out and about and do all the marketing and that sort of thing. But, um to answer your question about what I'd like to do more, I've just discovered book art that is making books. And, of course, they're not like books you read. They're, they're books of pictures or small pieces of art or... Um, I, I'm just beginning to explore it. And I did make one that is just recently It's the first one I ever made. And uh, it's a lot of work, but it's a collection of all the dogs that have been in my life. And it's just photographs and, and little memories about them. And boy, it just turned out so pretty. I, I'm really pleased with it. And so I do want to spend more time. There's a group here. It's quite a big international group of book arts, but the trouble is I joined it in hoping, I'm, I'm relatively new here. I've, I've been here about 18 months, and maybe not even that long. And uh, it's all been during lockdown or gradually crawling out of that. And so I've met very few people. So I joined the book arts group to think of thinking I would really enjoy meeting some of the people, but they only meet by Zoom. And I don't know about you, but I'm zoomed up to my ears, you know. And so. Yeah,
0: it, um, it gets boring after a while. Yeah,
1: yeah, so anyway, I will continue with that because I want to be conversant in the techniques so that when they do hold Zoom workshops, it won't be Greek to me. I'll be able to. So yeah. that's what, partly why I made this book. And um, oh, there's some lovely books on the. And they really inspired me to try making them.
0: Yeah, so that's where what I'm
1: looking at um, in the future.
0: I I think that's really awesome. Are you well? You've you've mentioned that you're a crafty person. Um, Is there any crafts that you specifically do when you need to kind of clear the creative tubes out and get them moving again?
1: You know, I'm, I'm such a perfectionist that I don't find the crafts all that relaxing. I, I find them worthwhile, and I enjoy doing them when, when the time is right. But I'm just so picky about how it looks and everything that I can't say I'm um, that that relaxes me. If I, you know, I wish I had the talent to do watercolors or something like that. Where you know you, not that that doesn't take a lot of talent and, and uh, perfectionism, perhaps, but just doing a wash of the paint and seeing how it blurs in with the, another color and all that—that that appeals to me. But oh man, I cannot draw this thing uh, so uh, I don't, I don't, I don't really have a craft other than cooking and gardening but not
0: a, a paper fabric, uh, that kind of crown, that relaxes me. Yeah, no, I get that. I myself have a long-term illness known as idiopathic rheumatoid arthritis. That makes me slow down and appreciate the day. What makes you smell the roses and slow down and just enjoy life? Uh,
1: well, just Again, the, being out in nature and uh, just relaxing in the sunshine and uh, I, I started this thing that I don't do it as much as I'd like but I started a uh, breakfast picnic. I'm a big picnicker. I love taking food out into the woods and, and I can't afford to eat in a lot of restaurants so I take my food and go out and um, and you know when I used to when I travel in England, uh, in England I, I didn't get to, I went to Wales once and I never made it to Scotland, but when I traveled to England, I would get such a kick out of seeing um, people pull their car over the side of the road, get their little primus stove out and make tea by the roadside. I mean, I just yeah. thought that was the most charming thing I've seen. And so I, I, I remember that. And so I started taking And um, I, so I always had these lunch or dinner picnics, and then it dawned on me, I could have a breakfast picnic. And so I take my little stove, and I make pancakes, and and eggs, and coffee, and, and I start a little fire usually, and and so I have two, it's like having two burners, you know. Well, it's a lot of work, so I don't do it as much as, as I'd like, but boy, is that in the
0: It is. relatively early in the day hearing the birds and eating pancakes that's good that's life that's that's what you call good life that's that's living it up yep (laughs) what's your favorite place to curl up during the day is it like a garden a cafe reader's nook where do you like to go to just
1: Well, I I usually just read like in a comfortable chair or couch or something. But if I get to go out, you know, this doggone pandemic, um, i forgot. I mean, I, I love going to tea rooms or coffee shops and getting something and then and then reading there too. That's a real pleasure. Okay. I uh.
0: I myself, it's uh, funny because I don't have a place at the moment to curl up in, so I'm busy trying to make a place that uh, feels comfortable and easy to lie in. And last thing that we get to do today is we're going to play the word game. And this is a word association game, so I will read a word off, and Linda will come back to me with a word in response and uh, this is just designed to have a little bit of fun And uh, at the end, I'll explain my choice of words so that Linda can uh, understand the idea that I had of where I might meet her if I happen to stumble across her one day. Um, And yeah, so it's just a little bit of fun. So the first word I have for you is flowers.
1: um... I guess impatience comes to mind. I think maybe you call them busy Lizzie. Um, uh, they're, they're a lovely flower and they grow easily. Yeah. Yeah. What about trees? Well, I, I mean, these redwoods out here are just so fantastic. It's hard not to just immediately think of them.
0: What about peaches? Well, I lived in Georgia
1: a lot um, when I was younger, uh, my, growing up with my family, and that's a, a state in the south of, of uh, the U.S. And um, so they're famous Georgia peaches. They're famous for that. So I think of Georgia.
0: What about plums?
1: Not that fond of plums.
0: Makes me think of prunes. So... <laughs> I like. Okay. What about cherries?
1: Oh, I love cherries. They're just coming out here now. We're having them now. And I think of cherry pie.
0: <laughs> and last but not least, ice cream. For some reason, I wrote. Oh no, that's supposed to say iced tea. But my autocorrect kicked in. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Oh, well, that's a very southern thing. Um, uh, You know, I grew, I mean, I I sort of came of age in Atlanta, Georgia, and then I went to the mountains of North Carolina, and uh, iced tea is a very, I mean, it's just like water. I mean, it's just people drink iced tea, usually with a ton of sugar in it. So that always, that pops to mind, and um, it's you know I love iced tea but not not the way they make it so um anyway that's what comes to mind
0: so my words uh was what I imagined in my head was that I was at this outdoor beautiful meadows picnic uh for authors and we were in this beautiful place with this old sort of wooden house and all these authors were walking around and I sat down at a table and you were there and we, we ended up nibbling on bits of fruit and talking about books and that to me was like the perfect way to meet you in my mind so uh well let's that's do where it the words came from let's do it you come on out here well, oh i have been it. out before i was out in 2016 i was in la oh. so i am due to come back if i can uh, make it Um, I think that's most the key because every time I plan to come out well the pandemic just derailed it so Uh but hopefully uh, hopefully we'll be able to do it in the near future that's that's our hope is to be back in LA because we have a lot of friends in LA so yeah it would be lovely to be out but it has been fantastic to have you on and uh, I hope to have you back for when you have your next releases Um, so please keep in touch but yeah, it's been lovely having you on. Guys, we've got some more exciting guests in the upcoming week. You are not going to want to miss it. We have Kathleen Fox, Virginia Virginia McCullen, and Heidi McLannan. So you guys are not going to want to miss out in the upcoming weeks. So make sure you check back on Monday. But that is all for now.